Did you know they make toy smartphones for babies now? What is that? My little dick pic? I don't know. <laughs> hey guys, it's Cameron James from the Total Reboot Podcast. Just letting you know that I'm doing an hour comedy show at the Sydney Comedy Festival, April 29 to May 1 at the absolutely marvellous Enmore Theatre. It's in a smaller room, but that's not important. Book at sydneycomedyfest.com.au. There is limited seating, so please book early, baby. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Hey, what's up? It's Thomas Nicholas, uh, also known as Kevin from American Pie. And when I'm not going the growl, which I think is better known as the tongue tornado, I'm listening to the Total Reboot with Cam and Alexi. Forget your first slice. And that's a little clue, a little taster as to what <laughs> we're going to be talking about for the rest of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about the film Layer Cake. Yes. <laughs> One of the most interesting sliceable pieces of popular culture. <laughs> Welcome to Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. I'm Cameron James, and I'm joined in Blu ray studios mm. by Alexi Toliopoulos. Cameron, it is my pleasure to be here today talking about one of my most beloved and treasured movies. This is an this is a little bit nerve wracking mm-hmm. because, dare I say it, this uh, this film that we're going to be talking about today might be the reason we started the Screen Ages mm. miniseries. Exactly, it was one of those ones that we knew would come up when we started talking about teen films, teens on your screens. There is none more. And dare I say, quite in an entendre-laden way, a seminal classic for me. When you say seminal, mm. of course, uh, there is a, a an added meaning to the word seminal in that it sounds like semen. Mm, of course. Yeah. Seminal fluids, perhaps. Yeah, and semen features quite heavily in the film that we are going to be talking about today and in our lives, personally. Personally, you know, I'm made of the stuff. God, I I started out that way when I was just a (laughs) single sperm floating around the big clump of other sperms. Exactly, just a little a little dinkle, my daddy's finkle. You know, that's where I started out. That's where we all started. That's the way I hope to finish up. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I came in. That's how I plan to go out, man. That's what I plan to do. Yeah, this one's a little... It is nerve-wracking, though, because mm. I'd say it's our generation's teen classic film. Yes. Uh, it's the one that kind of kick-started a whole new era of teen cinema. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then... Uh, and it's kind of... It's been looked on in history either one or two ways. It's gone 50-50. People either love it and consider it a classic, mm-hmm. or it has been criticised for what then came afterwards, Mm -hmm. and I think parts of it have now been considered problematic. Yes. But um, it just holds a very special place in my heart, and I think in your heart too. We're, of course, discussing a classic movie that goes by the name of Mr. American Pie. (laughs) 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 
Oh God, I'm nervous. I'm nervous too. But let me tell you this, honey. Let's. We are back in our sweet spot, Cammy. Okay. We are talking about horny cinema. That's how we got our freaking start? Exactly. Yeah. We find ourselves comfortable. Mm. discussing horniness in films, mm. the way a film emits horniness into the audience of said films, yes. and the way that those characters and actors that portray them go on to be symbols of horniness. Yes. Not sex symbols. I would say nothing about this movie created a sex symbol. I don't know. I disagree. I think for a few years there, Tara Reid was a sex symbol. Oh, okay, okay. I'll give I think you that. Alison Hannigan has remained a bit of a sex symbol mm-hmm. in and her Jason kind of nerdy Biggs. way. And the Bigs, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. we can't deny it. The guy's hot to trot. Yeah, the guy is famously quite yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Is Stifler a sex symbol? No, I would say Stifler is a symbol of horny, as I once mentioned moments ago. But Sean William Scott is quite a good-looking fella. Of course. And he's incredibly ripped. But do you think he's too... Like, he'll never be hot? I think that's it. He played one of the most conniving, horny characters ever to be in a film. (laughs) The Stiffmeister himself, Stephen Stifler. Stiffmeister General. (laughs) The Stiffmeister General, he played him, and I think that it was truly, it's one of the star-making performances Mm. where an actor is so closely associated to a character to the detriment of perhaps their entire body of work. Yeah. Where he could never really become a sex symbol. You know, he tried that in that Welcome to the Jungle movie. Welcome to the Jungle, Bulletproof Monk. Yeah, and, you know, Bulletproof Spunk. The guy still's got it. He's handsome. But... I would say not that bulletproof. It actually, a few of those hits did happen, and he didn't make it all the way to sex symbol status. That's a shame. He's really good in role models. He's great in role models. It's almost like if there was a few more high-quality comedies that came mm-hmm. after this, this guy could have been a big star. Exactly. It's almost as if the guy is extremely talented, funny, yeah. and I've heard quite lovely and nice. But the industry, tragically, is a cruel temptress. Yeah, Life's a bitch, and so is the film industry. <laughs> uh, I tell you why I feel nervous about talking about this film, and it is—it's uh, largely because I—I I saw it when I was in year seven. Mm-hmm. It came out when I was in year six. Yeah, year seven. It, it's a, a very like a very special memory for me. Mm. A group of friends were sleeping over at our friend's Pat's house. Yep. His older brother got the DVD out from uh, Video Easy for us. Wow. We had to sneakily put it on so his parents wouldn't yes. hear. So this is like an early experience of sitting around a bunch of other hormonal dudes mm-hmm. watching a movie that's naughty, that yep. you knew was naughty, and it awakening like a full language mm. for me all of our, it changed the way we speak yeah our friend mossy ben moss like he just started calling himself the Mossmeister after this the Mossmeister, and started talking like stifler all the time and everyone would quote this movie and it yeah. was just like it changed the way we thought about sex and the way we had conversations about sex and all of a sudden everyone started being very frank about like the mm. the things they were into I have a, a very big place in my heart for it, but I was scared that if I watched it again, it would just suck. Mm. I think I've been a bit the same way over the years. Like, I very similar introduction to this movie. I was like eight when this movie came out. God. So, you know, different worlds. Dude, eight, man, you're not ready for this stuff. No way, too scary, too real. How's the pale ale? You don't even know what a normal pale ale is when you're eight. <laughs> exactly. Go, well, I guess I think ale means beer and um, pale means bucket, so <laughs> maybe it's bucket beer. 
And they're talking about, I've heard bucket beer maybe is a thing before, so. Um, but um, I uh, remember, it, like, this was important to me because I saw this differently, also very sneakily. Mm. Um, I remember a couple years later after it came out, it plays on free-to-air TV. Wow. And there had already been so much buzz around America. So Park. much hype. So much hype. Holy and shit. So much discussion. Like, this was such mm. a, you know, like, this is... One of those movies you can really pinpoint as being a turning point in film history. There's where been a few in our lifetime, right? Like, I mm. think this was the first one that I'm very aware of. And then later on, some of the Apatow movies yes. get similar, like, levels of zeitgeisty discussion. But I would say this is a real genre inventor and a genre breaker. Definitely. And uh, so there was so much talk about it from young boys and, like, you know, the older kids from school mm. and, like, you know, older cousins stuff going, like, oh, American Pie is so funny. It's crazy. He fucks a pie. And, like, I heard so much crazy <laughs> shit about it that a guy fucked a pie. And, like, there was even a rumor that, like, someone said, like, he, fu- like, uh, either that Jason Biggs fucked a pie, actually... <laughs> he fucked a pie to death but then also someone was like yeah then someone my friend fucking Ollie tried it and he got burns on his dick trying to fuck yeah. a meat pie like you know there was so many rumors Wait a minute, like he tried that. to fuck a meat pie that's all we have in Australia oh. <laughs> it's only that that's all he's gonna fuck is a meat pie um, but- fuck a shepherd's pie maybe Oh, got all that beautiful potato up top. <laughs> yeah, all that cushion for the pushing, baby. <laughs> that nice pillowy potato. Um, but I, I remember it was playing on Channel 10, Free to Air mm. TV. And I had a TV in my bedroom for the first time. Oh my and I God. would have been about 12 years old. And this is like I, the opening scene of the movie. <laughs> it really was. It really, really was. And I remember putting my fucking, like, I had this big recliner. Mm. And it was, like, huge. Like, this, I had this huge recliner in my room. I don't know why I had it. I think they had to move it from some other room. I ended up with it. I remember just pushing this recliner up against my my door. So I was like, there's there's no subtlety to it. Because if someone comes knocking at the door, they're going to kiss a huge object <laughs> leaning against it. And I have to, like, run and open it. But I just remember watching and just being like, holy shit, this is what being a freaking teenager is going to be like? Yeah. Uh, Daddy-like. Or baby-like would have been more accurate then. Baby-like. How old were you, sorry? I would have been 12. 12 years old, 12 years old. You're uh, you're on the cusp of young manhood. Yeah, it was really a glimpse into kind of like what a projected future would be. Yeah. And I also think beyond just cinematically, I think this changed the culture cinematically as far as teen movies go. And comedy goes, but I think that for our generation at least, it really changed the way that we talk, young men talk about virginity. Definitely, I yeah. think that this is like, it, like you said, changed the way that people of our generation of our age talk about sex, where virginity became like this. Even though it's like kind of undercut when you rewatch the movie now, mm. but it has like this idea of like virginity is put on this pedestal with this thing yeah. that you have to like sex put on this pedestal rather and like having your virginity is like something that you it's like a milestone in your life mm. and I think that while the movie does try to undercut it it created like this unhealthy idea of like what sex and virginity is um, in, dude like, absolutely m- mentally yeah in my friendship group it was kind of all anyone talked about for years and I just remember thinking like there's a part in this movie actually where you know, towards the end where they start kind of unraveling Mm. the pressure that society puts on you to lose your virginity and all that kind of shit. And I remember genuinely feeling that like in early high school, just being like, God, this is so fucking stressful. Like 
When's it just going to happen? I just exactly. want it to be over, for fuck's sake. I feel like freaking Atlas walking around with a fucking <laughs> globe on my shoulders. It's my freaking ball bag filled <laughs> with spunk. <laughs> Prang one day will be unleashed. <laughs> But I like I think that it is it's such a like a a a, a hugely shaping movie for me. Yeah. Like I'm I really loved it when I first saw it, and then as I saw the sequels over the few years later, yeah, still being really liking the sequels, yeah, and uh, you know it's been one of those things that like this movie's always been in my mind, and a few years ago I was like, is this any good? Like, is this you know, it's easy to look at a movie like this and dismiss it as in like, oh, dated and like it's yeah. a shitty comedy. It's a shitty comedy from years ago. Mm. Like, sure, it's funny, but it's so gross or whatever. Mm. And then I rewatched it like in film school and I was like kind of blown away by it, mm. by like what it was doing. And then at afters at my film school they had the script like they they had like a bound copy hmm. of the original script by adam hers and i just got it out because i was I, there weren't many comedy scripts that they had on the shelves hmm. there was more like you know they had like a woody allen script was or it whatever. called american pie on the screenplay on the screenplay that i got i don't know i can't remember what it was called but the original working title that was on the script uh, actually, it was called East Great Falls High. Yeah, because I knew that's that's the second title, right? They yeah, it has the iconic original. I've got title. it written down yeah. here. The iconic original title, Adam Hur's uh, screener of American Pie, called that film was untitled teenage sex comedy that can be made for under ten million dollars, which studio readers will likely hate, but I think you will love. Which I think as well sets a huge precedent. Yeah. Because, you know, you hear Dude, so that's many... an industry-shifting move right there. Absolutely. I think <laughs> you wouldn't even have the idea of the blacklist today. No, yeah, totally. Blacklist, like the blacklist scripts that get announced every year, the 10 best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. I think this sets the precedent for stuff like that, yeah. catching on in a mainstream yeah. film cinephile kind of way. I remember when I first heard that fact, mm. it was around the time that I first heard that um, Shane Black used to write little jokes in his screenplays for yeah. the reader. And I remember thinking, like, I can't believe you can do that. That's yeah. crazy. That You can put just things in there that are just for the reader to get their yeah. attention. Absolutely. Like Shane Black would have on page six or whatever. If you're getting bored by now, this movie obviously sucks. Feel free to throw it down or mm. whatever. Yeah. I promise you it gets good in a page or so. Yeah, exactly. That's, I love that kind of stuff. And that's a real... That's like one of those stories... Hearing that Adam Hers called it that, and then that's how it sold. Mm. Kind of that changed the way that movies were made, at least for the next decade. Yeah. Now that era is over. Mm. The idea of the mid-budget comedy doesn't exist anymore. It kind of ended with Apatow, probably. Absolutely. But, th- but this was a this was a very golden time to be a comedy performer. Absolutely. I, I as well when I was reading that script, I was just astounded by it because Adam Hers has not gone on to like make other movies he kind of he would have made quite a lot of money off these films i think mm. being like the creator of them and then like the script is so unbelievably well written in that it's complex to write a movie like this and to make it good mm. and to do an on an, he basically what i read when i read that script what i kind of realized so much about this movie is that it's an ensemble mm-hmm. where every character 
is unique. Mm-hmm. Every character's a unique perspective, and not only that, a unique voice. They don't all sound like the birth of this one writer. Yeah, they all sound u- like comedically unique. They all have different rhythms. They all have different points of view. They're all different. Uh, but not only that, this movie has like fucking four main characters, four leads. Mm-hmm. That's the main ensemble. On top of that, there's probably another five or six significant supporting characters. Yeah, yeah. And every single one of them has an entire complete and unique arc. Like every character in this movie starts at one point. Mm-hmm. They all have a, a journey. They all go through a change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at different levels, some are A plots, some are B plots, some are like C, D, E, F plots. And they all have a unique moment of change and they all come to something in the end. Even the Shermanator, freaking like Chris Owen's character, (laughs) has a complete arc in this film. Yeah, he gets an arc. And what other ensemble film can you really clearly state those things about? Where everyone is a unique character, Mm. they all funny in different ways, and they all have a complete arc. Even fucking Rogue One, another Chris White's project, (laughs) (laughs) doesn't have that. Wait a second, did Chris Watts make Rogue One? He is the uncredited reshoot director. Much like he's uncredited directing this film. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm. He worked on a Star Wars movie. Yeah, he's he's big, man. Chris Watts is big. That's Paul Watts less big. Yeah. Oh, well. Suck shit. <laughs> Suck it, Paul. Suck it, Paul. All right, let's dive into it. You know, guys, maybe I'm just not good with girls, period. All that you gotta do is just ask them questions and listen to what they have to say and stuff. I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of work. Here's to the next step. This bed is on fire Universal Pictures presents... Perhaps you could help me with my studies? If you ever had a chance with Nadia, this is it. A story about the moves. You bad boy! The Madness. What you drinking? Scotch. Single malt. Aged 18 years. The way I like it. And the moments in our lives. Please, God, let this be it. If you want to hook up with her, tell her you love her. That's how I was do. That are as American as apple pie. Boy, it's been a long time since we've had the little father-son uh, chat. Oh, I, I almost forgot. I bought some magazines. Well, this is the this is the uh, female form. Look at the expression on her face. She's kind of looking right into your eyes, saying, Hey, big boy. Oh, my God. Oh. American Pie. You know, I forgot you've been there and back. Well, I, I, you know, I've learned about you know, I'm sex trying to make no, I, I really don't need you to sit here and talk to American Pie, directed by Paul Watts, uncredited, directed by Chris Watts as well, from 1999. Mm, wonderful year. Now, what we like to do on this show is scour the web for a synopsis <laughs> or a logline and see how accurate we think it is to this film. So, Alexi, where have you found this logline? <laughs> the one I found today is from Wikipedia. Oh, wonderful. Not to be confused with Wikipedia, which is all about Star Wars. If you went on there, you might find Chris Watts' name. Yeah, you might find it there as well. <laughs> but this Wikipedia page, they describe it as the plot centers on five best friends. Jim, Kevin, Oz, Finch, and Stifler, who attend East Great Falls High. With the exception of Stifler, who has already lost his virginity, the youths make a pact to lose their virginity before their high school graduation. What a weird way to write this sentence. It's all it's the rather wrong way. 
<laughs> and also, it says, continues on, oh the God. title is borrowed from the song of the same name and refers to a scene in which the protagonist is caught masturbating with a pie after being told that third base films like Warm Apple Pie. Writer Adam Hurst has stated that the title also refers to the quest of losing <laughs> one's virginity in high school, which is as American as Apple Pie. Okay. I've got a couple of things to say about that. <laughs> so... First of all, I love that anecdote from Adam Hurst at the end. Yeah. I think that's a great line. Mm-hmm. And when he thought of saying that in press, I think he must have been like, that's awesome. I'm so happy I thought of saying that to the press. Exactly. It catches on. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant line. It's a brilliant line that is absolutely retrofitted to the mm-hmm. fact that someone else chose the name American Pie for his screenplay. Can I just say, <laughs> I think it's so good. Finch should have said it in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like a Finch line. Yeah, just hearing you say that, I'll go, yeah, fucking Adam Hurst probably was Finch. Yeah, totally. He probably was Finch in real life. Because I think I read somewhere that the pie scene wasn't in any of the drafts of the screenplay. It was like added later by some producer. Mm. Someone was like, you need a big fucking set piece. Here's something funny what that happened in my What if he tries to time? fuck a pie? Because the line where they compare... Mm. Uh, sex to apple pie was always in there. Yeah. And then someone eventually was like, he should try and fuck a pie. And then they were like, that is pretty good. It's a million buck idea. Chuck that in there. Let's do it. You just made this movie from pretty good, well-written to iconic An Absolute iconic. <laughs> and apparently no one remembers who came up with the pie idea. Wow. It's just someone, something someone said one day in pre-production or whatever. Um, the other thing I want to say is whoever wrote that log line really worked their ass off to get Stifler <laughs> mentioned in it because yeah. he's not one of the best friends. He doesn't make the pact. Nope. And who cares if he's already lost his virginity? It's not his story. It's not part of the plot. He gets plot. more of a mention than Jim. <laughs> it should be. The plot. The logline should be, uh, Crumbum Jim and his dad have a weird relationship. Yeah. He's desperate to lose his virginity. And one day his other horny friend suggests that perhaps... They need a goal in their life to lose their virginity to finally work up to it happening. That's that's way better. You don't need Stifler. You don't need to retrofit it around. No. Like, so Stifler's not involved because he... He's actually uh, a supporting character in this film and yeah. then later becomes... He was a breakout star and everyone liked the character, so he became more important. Mm-hmm. And then his brothers and family members became the leads of the yeah. American Pie Presents Of film. course, the Stifler dynasty the is Stifler. well known in cinema. <laughs> Stiflers live on. <laughs> Stifler is such an amazing breakout character that his freaking fake cousins became leads of movies. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, uh, you brought up something early on about how you know every character in this film gets their own arc mm-hmm. and their own unique journey and they're all unique voices. Yep. On my rewatch of this, I might even venture so far as to say that they're all in their own type of movie as mm, well. And absolutely. that makes it so exciting to watch. You know, I think Jim largely is in a sex comedy. He's he's, yes. he's in Porky's essentially. He's like Woody Allen in Porky's. Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. It's what if Woody Allen was trying to get laid, dude? Yeah. Which is like most of Woody Allen's life <laughs> exactly. and movies, actually. Exactly. But yeah, it's like, yeah, Woody Allen in Porky's. Then I'd say uh, the Oz character, Chris Klein's character, mm-hmm. is a genuine romantic comedy. And it's also a bit of a sports movie. Like, regardless yeah, yeah, of, like... true. I would say that the, that's a sports movie thing of, like, he's gifted in one sport, mm. but also he's got this other passion in life, which yeah. is, like, he finds a new passion in It's very Romeo singing. and Juliet, too. Yeah. You know, like, the two separate clans, the jock and the nerd mm-hmm. or whatever, who get together. 
it's I, I was actually quite amazed at how genuinely romantic that story is. Yeah. Most of it isn't funny. It's just like yeah. every time it cuts back to Oz and Heather, I'm like, fuck, this is nice. Mm. This is just a nice love story. Exactly. And then I think uh Kevin and Finch get less defined genre to work within, but they both I, I think Finch is more in a John Hughes movie than mm-hmm. the others. His character is like this He's essentially Dustin Hoffman. Like, he's this man out of time. Mm. He dresses differently. He golfs. He's kind of like Cameron Fry from uh, Ferris Bueller. He's like yep. this sophisticate who's in a high school, which I find quite funny. Yes. And then Kevin's one, I was trying to kind of figure out what the hell is going on. He, I think it's the least defined one for me because parts of it are a real relationship mm-hmm. story about a couple that maybe know they're not in love, know that they're coming to an end but want to make the most of their final moments together. But then the other part is like this weird mystic <laughs> sex, uh, sex adventure where he gets given like a Bible yeah. on how to fuck by Casey Affleck. And it kind of becomes <laughs> Which would this... be a bad book yeah. in this day and age. <laughs> kind of becomes this weird shamanistic yeah. journey with all like... There's a few parts where he gets like music cues that are like Eastern spiritual yeah. sounding stuff. I so would strange. say that I think... On this rewatch, what I defined his film to be would be like... It's a movie we just talked about. It's like a kind of very much a watered-down say-anything. Oh, wow, yeah. Because I think it's more like closely... It's not funny. It's the only one mm. that's not funny, yet it does have one of my favourite jokes in it of the movie. Which which joke? Which is when he's finally unleashing the tongue tornado. Right, right. And right. Um, uh, <laughs> Tara Reed's dad comes to knock on the door. That is funny. And just before he knocks, she yells, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. And he just goes, oh, okay, and walks downstairs. <laughs> that's like a David Wayne joke or something. It's yeah. So, I think it's so well performed. Yeah. So well really built funny. up. It is funny. But um, I think it's a watered down version of that because it's mainly just like a romantic drama mm. of like finding oneself and finding like who you're meant to be defining yourself by your relationship or should you not mm. and the interesting thing about it is that while we follow it through mainly Kevin's perspective mm. I think it is Tara Reed is the protagonist of that story she's the one that has the agency in it too mm-hmm. she's the one who decides that she would rather sleep with a nice guy for the first time than yep. regret it and end up hooking up with some loser. Yeah. And she, I think she knows she doesn't love him. Yeah. I think it's like a really interesting choice when you watch it now that she's just, she just wants to, wants to do it with him because she likes him, mm. but she also knows that it's over. I got to say that's on my recent rewatches of this movie. I would say I'm most surprised by how good Tara Reid is in this film. Yeah, yeah. I think she's really, really great in it. I think she's actually one of the best performances in this movie outside of, like, comedy stuff. Like, I think that Mm. she brings the best reality and, like, vulnerability to a character that feels very real. And it makes me just think, like, having rewatched Josie and the Pussycats recently as well, I think that the world, like, did her, like, such a number of, like putting her out to be like this bimbo or whatever and not mm-hmm. like taking her seriously as an actor because I think that she's in like three like modern classics Lebowski mm. this and Josie and the Pussycats I think she's great in all of them and serves the character so well in each one yeah she's really good I think <clears throat> they all kind of got all these guys got caught up in the world of celebrity not long after this movie came out and I think very few of them have survived it Natasha Leone. Mm. has kind of come out untouched. 
She's just a completely fascinating character actor. She's incredible. Like, she's good. She, I've said this before, I think, that Natasha Lyonne, David Crumholtz, and Kevin Corrigan mm. are like uniquely the most interesting character actors of their generation. I think they even did a movie together. I can't even remember what it was. But uh, maybe like, but I'm a cheerleader or something. They're all in like some Hang movie on, who together. who did you say? Crumholtz, Leon, and who? Kevin Corrigan. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, from yeah. like The Departed and stuff. Yeah, man. I love Kevin Corrigan. I think there's something about them where they all were able to capture what we love about the classic character actors mm. that straddle comedy and drama. I'm going to throw something at you. Gravelly voices. I think you're it. That's it. <laughs> there's no gravelly voices and not completely attractive. Yeah, like not New, classically New attractive. New York sounding people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> New York, Bostony, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of ethnic. Yeah. Jewish. Yeah, exactly. Or Italian. Or Irish. Yeah, they could we do don't know all what of them. Corrigan is. He's probably half and half. They could do all of them, all those characters. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love I love her. She's come out like she's a real actor. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't even think of her as someone who was a teen star, but she was. And she's in like a couple of iconic yeah, teen classics. Iconic teen films. The rest of these guys I think kind of have failed to mm. outlive this. Maybe uh Alison Hannigan has out outgrown mm-hmm. it. But she was iconic before this anyway. So. And Biggs became like a genuine star of some kind. For a little for a while moment. there. I, I really like him too. He's in a few seasons of Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. And I think people hated his character. But I thought you're supposed to. And I also think he did an incredible job in that mm. show. As being this kind of like fucking idiot dude. I just yeah. thought he was great. I think he's real and he's so good in this. He is uh, he's amazing in it's this. It's a movie. true I, I mean I've heard stories that it took the studio a long time to approve casting him. They wanted like a famous person or a better looking person. Did you know who was their uh, first choice? JTT? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Mental. Why? I cannot even imagine why. Crazy decision. I guess he was just good looking and famous. Get any ugly open micer, they would do a better job than JT. <laughs> you could not think of an actor less suited to do this. Oh, it's just, it wouldn't, the character would be so different because Jonathan Taylor Thomas, he's quite a, he was quite great on Home Improvement. I really liked him. He's funny he was, in it. He is funny in it, but he's like, his persona is cocky, confident, suave. Bart dude. Simpson yeah. meets like, uh, like, charming yeah you know he's a charmer but like jim having jim be like this kind of like nervous sweaty nebbish dude is Mm -hmm. the best it's the best choice for a lead for this type of movie yeah i i can't get over how good jason biggs is in it yeah absolutely so funny and uh i want to sing the praises of chris klein who is an actor that time has also forgotten Mm. And he had a hot run these couple of years, Election and American Pie back to back. His first two movies. Yeah. And like American Pie is one of my favorite teen movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Election's like it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely. And he's good in both. I think that he's really good in Election mm. because he's got like a bit more of a character to yeah, attach himself it's funny. to. He's funny in that because he's like mm. the dumb, you know, the wholesome, like all American. Mm. Idiots, but in this movie, it's like a genuinely just sweet, nice performance. I think, yeah, he's him. playing smarter than that, and I think he's having to play like a lot of the sincere moments of this film, mm. which I think is really it's tough to do those things. Yeah, fucking hell. In fact, they're all good. The whole mm. ca- the the uh, the cast, the whole cast is great. What are your what are some of your iconic 
memories from this film? When you think of this film, what comes to mind? Wow, that's a great question because I think so much comes to mind. I think that one of the things I always think about with American Pie is um, shipwreck. Like, that is something that I relate to a lot. I don't think I ever chucked a dookie at my school ever. It was always homework for me, you know, take it home, finish it there. And I never, I never could. I think that Shipwreck was a character I related to a little bit. Yeah. Finch, uh, Eddie K. Thomas's character. Great performance. I think he's really funny in this film. (laughs) Yeah. And it surprises me that he didn't latch on in similar ways that a Jason Biggs did. But Mm. I think he has a bit more of like the Stifler problem where he is such a uniquely equipped character in this film. Like this, Mm. this is not a character that you see elsewhere. Whereas like Stifler, you kind of like, oh, he's a big kind of like, he's got muscles, but he's also like a jock and a bit of a bonehead Mm. and like over the top character. So we can see where we can get him to do that thing in something else, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas like Finch, it's so specific that he's like, his arc is like, he begins as like this faux worldly guy. And yeah. like people are like that in high school. One of my mm. best friends was very much like very worldly, but he had like barely left his suburb of and course. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, people that explore art. I was a bit like that because I watched a lot of movies and I was like felt very cultured mm. for someone that had not experienced that much culture. <laughs> and I think that this is such a unique take on that where he seems so worldly and he acts very well traveled as like a character out of time. Mm. And he is that comedic gap is that he hasn't done all those things. Yeah. And he starts these rumors about himself. So other people will see him how he wants to be seen as like someone very worldly and well traveled, as someone who's very interesting, <laughs> sexy, a Lothario. But the reality is he's this kind of spindly, nerdy teenager that yeah. brings like a thermos of like mochaccino yeah. to, to school. And like he's drinking a thermos of coffee and he has to go home to shit every day so funny and I think that is so funny to like because it's like he sees the toilets at school as beneath him it's kind of like why he doesn't do that but there's like nothing more leveling than you know everyone's got an asshole that shits and like it is kind of funny to go oh every school just has one room where everyone goes and shits him. Like, yeah, yeah. and he just sees that as beneath him so he doesn't go there and I think that is a story that I really think about and just him in the bathroom and all oh. crumbling away his whole persona crumbling away it's the biggest cringe moment in the movie for me and mm. there's it's a movie full of them but that's absolutely that's the actual nightmare is having like fucking shotgun diarrhea in front of a room full of women <laughs> <laughs> fucking nothing. Yeah, you know, I remember when I first watched this movie with all my friends. The scene where he's g- playing like putt putt golf in the school car park or whatever, and mm. um, some girl comes over to Kevin and goes, "Is it true, like that he has a big penis?" Um, before we know that he's been spreading rumors yeah. about himself, I remember one of the boys in the group was just like, "How's he doing it?" <laughs> I got a little fucking like sort of snub like, What the fuck? How, how did he do that? How did everyone find out? How did they know? Like, they, is it something to do with the golf clubs? Yeah. Like, no, he just thing? was so, his mind was blown. Like, fuck, how did he get there? How did everyone think that? <laughs> like, it's real? Like, it's real life. <laughs> yeah, I think of, um, and this is, this is so weird, but this is one of those movies that I saw so much mm-hmm. at an early age that I now 
know all of the side dialogue, all the dialogue you hear in the background of party scenes so well. Um, So this is a bit of a strange choice, but my first thing that comes to mind when I think of American Pie, and I think it's because my friends used to say it all the time, is there's a part in the party, one of the early scenes, Mm -hmm. where you hear in the background someone yell, the Yeti, I am the Yeti. And my friends just used to yell it all what the time the at hell? parties. I've read the script. I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. Never noticed that. So it happens first, You, uh, Kevin and... What's her name? What's Tara Reid's character's name? Vicky. Vicky and Kevin are in the bedroom and they're kissing on the bed. And Kevin says, let's take our relationship to the next level. I mm-hmm. think tonight's perfect. <clears throat> and then you hear from in the hall outside a guy go... Dude, my farts smell so bad. I smell like a Yeti. <laughs> and then someone goes, you should take a shit. And then Kevin says, okay, maybe now's not perfect. And then later on in the party, you hear that same guy yell, the Yeti, I am the Yeti. Wow. And for some reason, that line just really took off in my friendship group. And everyone thought it was really funny. You could actually steal it. No one will ever know that <laughs> no it's from something else. No one will American Pie. It won't even be a reference to like, something. You're, yeah. You could steal it. I really could. I don't know why, but people at my at parties in my high school, dudes would yell that out. I am the Yeti. The Yeti. I am the Yeti. Yeti. I am the Yeti. <laughs> I don't know why. And there'd be someone going, American Pie reference. Someone would go, yeah. And then obviously, Suck Me Beautiful was mm, another thing that people used to beautiful. yell out a lot. Yeah. There's, there's a few catchphrases from this movie. Oh, man. I think that why this movie is so important and like why it's kind of like interesting because it is really easy to shit on this movie. Mm. But I think why it is so shit important. Break style. <laughs> yeah, loaded up with some laxatives and done in a girl's toilet, shit break style. <laughs> but like why I think this movie genuinely is so important is it is this groundbreaking genre picture mm. uh, in the 1970s our teen films are kind of stuff like an animal house mm-hmm. going into the 80s we're starting off like you know Animal House, Porky's, those are kind of like gross-out movies, like Bachelor Party. And then they kind of evolve. We have different teen movies that are completely different, like the sentimental stuff of John Hughes, Mm -hmm. and then stuff like, say, anything that are a bit more realistic. Mm -hmm. Then in the 90s, we go through this really interesting period that I hope we get to touch on before we wrap up this miniseries, where um, teen films are... They can kind of be like genre hybrids. They can be lots of different things. But for the most part, I say the most iconic team films of the 90s, we have like this weird phase of like literary adaptations. Oh, yeah. Of like Shakespeare, yeah, Jane Austen. Things, oh. Oh, Clueless. <laughs> like yeah. We have like a weird breakout of mm-hmm. like adaptation teen stuff. Cruel Intentions comes a yeah. little bit after this yeah. as well. And But I think that what... American Pie does so well and what makes it so unique and such a groundbreaking film which sounds insane to hear me go I know your face looks I'm you look very like seriously. you're realising how crazy this is I just realised how serious I go like what makes American Pie a groundbreaking film and I'm saying it very seriously <laughs> there's no humour in my voice 
it's like I've done fucking research about this, <laughs> but it it's, it uh, develops like this whole new type of comedy that catches on very quickly, mm. which uh, would describe and has been described as gross out sentimental, which mm. is pairing like your types of Animal House movies with your John Hughes movies to create, I would say, something that resembles neither and feels completely u- mm. new and unique while still feeling familiar like those others. I think we don't have American Pie. There's no way in hell that we come into the 2000s with stuff that Judd Apatow is making. Oh, absolutely. We will never get your 40-year-old version. We never no. get knocked up. We would never get funny people mm-hmm. where we have like those merging of gross-out and sentimental that evolves to kind of be, for a full decade, what the cinematic mode of comedy really is. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you there. And it's it's actually the sentimental part that sticks with you with this movie. Like, when you're 12 or 13 first watching it, you mm-hmm. probably come away from it only remembering the pie and diarrhea. And one time in band camp, I put a flute in my pussy. Like, you yeah. remember the gross bits. But when you watch it as an adult, like I just did this morning... The final half hour of this movie is incredibly sweet and romantic. Like, from the prom on, there's half an hour left of the movie. The only funny parts in that half hour are Jim rooting Michelle and uh, her saying, say my name, bitch. <laughs> so funny. That actually might be the funniest part <laughs> of the whole movie. Which is great. <laughs> because I think it's one of those great moments in comedy where she's like, say my name, bitch, which feels... Like, while we're getting to know that character, Mm. he reveals a whole new side of them that's being revealed over this whole scene. But then it gets Jim to live as his character so well, where he's like, Michelle, Michelle! (laughs) (laughs) Where he, like, frantically (laughs) says her name. Very scared. Very funny. And then uh, the other funny part, obviously, is, like, Finch finally getting his revenge on Stifler Mm. by fucking Stifler's mum. Yes. And that's a totally different type of comedy, and it's one that I really like, which is... People playing suave. It's like, mm. it always makes me laugh whenever I see like a bit of a nerd playing incredibly suave and sophisticated. Yeah. It has one of my favorite tropes ever, which has been done a million times. Uh, we're like, we'll come in on a scene towards the end of someone's anecdote. Yeah. And they go like, and I said, hey, that's actually Debussy that you're listening to. And the other person starts laughing. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what they were talking about, but it's so pretentious. I listened to it with the commentary. And like the thing that he that they're talking about, they ask Adam, who was like, what the fuck it is? Like, yeah, some Renaissance painter that I looked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I love that trope cracks me up every time. Mm. And I think Eddie K. Thomas is so funny at like mm. playing that. And he was, the I think, the youngest. He was 17. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That character, um, I mean, I think the sequels are largely bad. Mm. I think they undo a lot of the legacy of this first film, but his character is the one that got the least played out for me because they just made him more and more of a pretentious asshole every every time, and that just is so funny to me. In the mm. second one, he's practicing Tantra yeah. and stuff like that. When he becomes like a sex guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny to me. Yeah. He like rides a motorbike and stuff. Call is the time of guy that calls everyone gentlemen, which is just so funny. <laughs> Hello, <me>. gentlemen. Gentlemen. <laughs> so good. So funny. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, for the most part, the back half of this movie is really sweet. Mm. At the prom, they have, Jim gets that big speech about the pressure of virginity and how yeah. like, 
we shouldn't it shouldn't matter this much why are we putting this on ourselves you know and then like oz and heather when they have sex with each other it's like it's it's like a love scene from a real movie yeah do you know what is so funny like when people talk about this movie they go like oh you know he was the one that didn't have sex because he says he's i always about thought it. that but they get a full sex scene and then you watch it again and go what else could they fucking be doing like well, he's on sex. top of her yeah. and they're moaning into each other's mouths yeah. what are they not doing i remember thinking that too because the final scene in mm. dog years is he says that he didn't and yeah. i think that's the that's a really beautiful choice at yeah. the end of this movie that they're all kind of bragging about fucking and then Oz says, yeah, we had a great night and yeah, that's all I'll say. And they all they all go, well, you'll it'll happen for you one day, Oz. Or yeah. <laughs> like, he made love. He made love. They he had found sex, beauty. He made love. And that's the thing as well. Like that's the arc of that character. He's one of the more disgusting ones at the start. Mm. He talks about, he's the one that says warm apple pie he and says, suck, suck me beautiful. beautiful. He says, "Suck me, beautiful." <laughs> I think. Um, I think in the fourth one, he ends up with Heather again. He says, "Marry me, beautiful." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's another. Like this movie has such a monster cast. Oh, like yeah, yeah. If we're, we're talking about like Mina Suvari plays. Yeah, dude. Like Heather, I think she's she had a monster great, couple of years there too. Was uh, same American year. Beauty, same year and same universe. <laughs> Exactly. Set in the same pie universe. Same character. Yeah, yeah. She played the same character. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Same year for mm. her. And she's Greek, guys. All the listeners out there, if you're a Greek person and you found this podcast because you saw my name with the with an S at the end of it, mm. know that Mina Suvari represents you as well. And if you're white out there and you found this <laughs> podcast because you saw my name, yeah, there's white people in this too. Chris yeah. Klein, pretty white. Yeah, dude, even Jason Biggs is white. That's true. He's not Jewish. He's not Jewish. You'd be forgiven for thinking he was. Yeah, even... I don't know. Maybe we'll cut this out of the podcast because we've said his name a few too many times for my liking. <laughs> but when he played in the Woody Allen movie Say Anything... <laughs> not Say Anything. Anything Else? Oh, movie yeah. Anything Else? Yeah. Woody Allen, from seeing this movie, thought Jason Biggs was Jewish and cast him in that role. God. Woody Allen. Woody Allen, by the way, should not have been allowed to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We've kind of danced right into a couple of people that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about them yet. And I think for a reason. Yes. I feel like you and I have both been saving our breath for these two. Yes. And possibly saving an award. I think so. This is the first time I think we should split the character actor Oscar that we give out every week on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is t- this is tough, man, because we, mm. we love to give these awards out to a breakout character actor style that doesn't really get their due. We have two in this film that are not only great performances in this film, but two of the great character actors of mm-hmm. our of our time. Of our lifetimes, preceding our lifetimes, and hopefully succeeding them. They I are. hope I die before they do. I hope so too, yeah. <laughs> I hope you die before these two guys I do, I do, I hope so Genuinely, I don't want to live in a world without these two But of course, where should we begin? Because I think that they're both iconic characters mm. Maybe the iconic characters from this movie Yeah Maybe let's start with Jennifer Coolidge As Stifler's <sighs> mum My god She is just one of the most naturally funny character performers of all time mm-hmm. In everything Yeah And she's always different 
like you know, she's probably most famous for the Legally Blonde movies mm-hmm. and maybe from the Christopher Guest movies as and well. And Two Broke Girls. Yes, yes, and Two Broke Girls. Party Down. She often plays a variation of the Dits. She's mm-hmm. like a genius when it comes to playing a Dits. Yeah. But Stifler's mom as a character is not a Dits. No. This is like a... It's like a fucking parody of like a screen siren. Like a femme fatale yeah. kind of like raspy voiced noir character. And it's, uh, I think, iconic for a reason because it's like genuinely very sexy and funny. Yeah. It's both, the, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything that this movie is, both sexy and funny. Because they must have sort of been thinking, yeah, we'll get her. She'll probably play like a funny uh, mm. character. But then the choice to play it pretty straight. Yeah. Is makes it an iconic character. One of my favorite parts in the movie that's like not particularly funny, but I love it as a moment is where um, her and Finch like it's about to happen. Yeah, the seduction. The seduction happens, and she says to him, "You're dead." Before I love that. (laughs) I think that's like the hottest thing ever. I think it's really funny, really hot, and I think it's just like it's such a great character moment. You're dead. Yeah, she's devouring him. (laughs) Yeah. It's like she says, she gets the, like, the only real joke line she gets is when they're talking about single malt whiskey, Mm. and she says, aged 18 years, just the way I like it. Mm. I'm like, that's a joke on paper, but the way she's saying it is like, she's going to fucking destroy this guy. (laughs) She's really going to devour him. Yeah. This is predatory. Exactly. It's very, very funny, and I think it's such a funny, like, it's one of those things, like, this movie has a great soundtrack, and it's got good music in it, but, um... This was like a studio note to them to like go, you guys should put um, Here's to You, Mrs. Robinson, in here. Mm. And I think they were just like, yeah, of course, there's a graduate reference. And the weird thing about it is that I think it works. Like it's very on the nose, but it makes the scene cooler rather than like feeling, it makes it feel less of a parody. Yeah, really, it does, doesn't Mm. it? I don't know how they did it, like how it pulled off. I think it's just because. Neither of them are doing a version of The Graduate. I think that's part of it. Like, if Finch was nervous or whatever, then it would be, you know, on-the-nose, boring parody. But I think it elevates it by having the the song in there because he is fucking cool. Like, the guy is owning the moment. Because it's like the only time that... He's in his element. Finally talking to an (laughs) adult. He's dressed like James Bond with that white, like, tuxedo Mm -hmm. top. I, it cracks me up when he comes into the room and she says, like, so how are you tonight? Are you having yeah. fun? And he goes, three sheets to the wind, ma'am. <laughs> I just love it. Who Would you have predicted that, you know, we've been talking about eventually doing American Pie on a podcast for years. Would you have predicted that we would be talking about Eddie K. Where Thomas Eddie K. 80%? Thomas heads. <laughs> I never would have guessed it. Dude, I'm fucking... We've barely spoken about Sean William Scott. Yeah, we're in the fucking K-hole right now. It's about Eddie K. the whole time. <laughs> Because I think that he is so funny in this scene but as well. Like, another thing that he's doing is, like, he's doing a Dean Martin impression for, like, the last half of the movie. Yeah. Because he's been drinking at the prom. So he's got a little bit of a stumble and a swagger in him. Yeah, yeah. Still trying to play it cool. But he's the only one playing drunk of any character in this whole yeah, scene. Yeah, true. And I listened to the commentary. And he, they recorded it when they were doing Reunion, I think. Mm. And he was just like, yeah, I regret that. Like, hey, Chris and Paul, you guys told me to turn it down. I watched the movie and go, I wish I turned it down down even more because I'm the only one doing it (laughs) but I think it's really it's a funny character choice because it feels anachronistic like it feels like he is doing a Dean Martin impression not like he's actually drunk it feels like that's what he's trying to do reminds me of guys there was a guy in my um, high school called Dean who would tip 
his beers out and fill them up with water from the tap. That's what Dean Martin used to do yeah, with his little fucking crazy. martinis. He'd like walk around pretending he was drunker than he was and stuff. And oh, Did man, he used to do so roasts sad. and like host the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he used to be in like the Rat Pack and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it's so strange. So yeah, I think Jennifer Coolidge though is... I mean, she's an icon. Mm. She'll always be an icon. Apparently, people still yell Stifler's mum at her when they see her. And I think it's it's nowhere near close to being her funniest performance. No. But she's like, you remember her in this movie because she just comes in in the last 20 minutes or mm-hmm. whatever, steals the show. Absolutely. And it's, it really is. And she's an instrument of revenge on Steve Stifler, who <laughs> we've come to hate by this point. And it's one of the great, like, one scene performances. She's mm. in a couple of scenes technically, yeah. but it's just one scene. Yeah. And it is just like a revelation of a character performance yeah. that just, like, like you said, takes over the whole movie for the final, the final little bit. So we'll give her um, one of our best mm-hmm. best character actor Oscars here. And we have one more to give out. Mm-hmm. And similarly I mean, named character, similar career as well. God, this guy is one of our heroes. Mm-hmm. We love him and everything. I, I dare say that I, I, I would never have started to do any kind of comedy acting without him and the choices that he's made his in tutelage. Christopher Guest movies mm-hmm. and in this movie and then, of course, uh, Bringing Down the House. You I got think. me straight tripping, Bill. <laughs> you got me straight tripping, Bill. We are talking about Eugene Levy. Well, you are some kind of freaky. You got me straight tripping, Bill. The man himself. Mm. The titular character from The Man. Jim's dad. Jim's dad, dude. This is such an iconic turn. Yeah. I think it is... And, like, for the most part, this in the script, this character is, like, written a little... Not differently, but Eugene Levy was given a lot of freedom to, like, improvise around and, like, kind mm. of take charge of the scenes that he's in. Mm. It's such a great choice because, obviously, he's, like, one of the greatest improvising comedians that's ever fucking walked planet Earth and a couple of other planets as well. Probably the funniest guy that ever fucking even, you know, could have worked Zamzubi or something like that. <laughs> Any other made-up planet, he's the funniest guy. <laughs> And he, I think, just like the way that he handles the scenes, like the way that he takes lead while still being a low-status character. I, yeah, oh, dude, it's it's eye-opening for me. I remember even as a, as a teenager watching this, like obviously loving Stifler, because mm-hmm. you have to when you're fucking 13. You yes. think Stifler rules. Stifler's cool, he's scary. Yeah, loving, like, like, loving Jason Biggs. But I remember mm-hmm. even being like 12 or 13 and watching... Eugene Levy in this movie and going like, that's the type of comedy that I like. Mm. It's a guy who is kind of in charge, but mm. also everything he says is embarrassing. <laughs> he's completely oblivious. He's completely oblivious to how embarrassing he is. He thinks he's doing a great job. He has no idea how off base he is. That's he great. He thinks he's being kind and cool, like giving his son... It's very kind-hearted. fucking, like, shaved... I believe it's called shaved. Oh, my God. Shaved is the expression. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like this some kind is, of a uh, tropical plant underwater. The female form. Oh, God. It's every moment with him in this is mm. so funny. And the ending of this movie, I think, works so well with him. Because originally the ending of this film is uh, the... The gym character, uh, Jason Biggs, he 
actually goes to Prague to meet Nadia in the script. Uh, And so that is like they meet in a hotel or they meet like, uh, you know, out at a location somewhere. But that was too expensive. Of course, it's how this movie could make for under $10, $10 million. Well, sorry, Adam Hurst, why'd you put fucking another country in there? Okay, you lied. But they, they could have shot it in Vancouver. They could have. They could have just gone through a nice park or something. <laughs> but um, what they did, I think, is so much better mm. to have the callback and like to yeah. kind of redeem the nastiness of like the um, spy cam, yeah. like webcam thing. Yeah. I think it's good to like. Like, this movie is, you know, grotty and it is sweet. And I think it's good to pay off that really, like, the grottiest moment of the movie with something sweet. Even though it may not hold up today, may not. It doesn't hold up. Well, people hate it. People People hate it. People often talk about that now as the moment that they hate in the Mm. movie. And I I agree, it is pretty gross. But um, I think every other moment of that set piece is so funny. Mm. Like, Jason Biggs' dancing is... A bit of a masterclass in cringe comedy. Absolutely. It's so funny. Yeah. And I think to bring it all back together with that, structurally within the movie, within yeah. the world of it's the nice. film, it redeems it and it makes it a pleasant callback rather mm. than like having to live with this shittiness of these characters. Yeah. Um, that uh, I think as well to have Jim's dad be witness to it at the end of the movie. It's so funny. Like yeah. when he sees Jim and feels proud of his son and then himself goofily dances up the hallway. I feel like this character, Jim's dad, really set the benchmark for what like... <laughs> it invented a new type of father, like yeah. parent figure in teen comedies that yeah. now we see all the time. Even in yeah. Booksmart, you know, Will Forte and Lisa Kudrow mm-hmm. play the parents in that. And they're very, like, sexually open people yes. as well. Um, Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. Yes. I feel like all roads lead back to Eugene Levy here, where he I was agree. he was the one that showed us that it's actually funny to have a supportive parent mm. who's too emotionally involved. Absolutely. Rather than, like, a, a disciplinarian or whatever. Who else is there? Fucking Harry Dean Stanton in, like, yeah. 16 Candles or whatever? It's, it's just such a funny choice mm. to go, oh, you know what? I'll be... <laughs> Way too interested in my son's sexual yeah. journey. <laughs> and supportive. Yeah, but... Really nice and supportive yeah. is such a funnier choice. And you know what I just remembered? My, one of my funniest parts of the movie is when he's in the hallway with Jim oh, yeah. and they're looking at their like family photo and he says, that was a great day, wasn't it? <laughs> so funny. And it's like a, so much studio photographer yeah. taking photo. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's so funny that for him, that's a day where he spent a day with his wife and his son and so for him it's a great day <laughs> for his son it would be like that's the worst day of my such life a shit day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i just spend the day with my fucking parents taking a photo <laughs> it's just so funny masterclass stuff oh dude he's the best oh. he's the funniest he's, uh, just a fucking genius really yeah i think that this is it's really a special movie i think that you know it I really, really love it. You really, really love it. Mm. But there's like some good technical stuff in here as well. Like that is all the script and then enhanced in the actual film. Like this film has really great montages that help build those character arcs in really funny, interesting and sweet ways. Like, you know, there's one that has that... What's a song called? It's the... the 
peep show theme song. Yeah, Harvey Danger, yeah. Flagpole Sitter. Flagpole Sitter. Yeah. And like that's at the start of the movie and it's got like stuff like fucking Finch rolling out like the green for <laughs> yeah. his like uh for his for his um putt putt at mm. school. Then it's got like uh Kevin getting the condoms for all the others and then Jim having more condoms than everyone else. Mm. It's got a really weird moment in it where like uh Jason Biggs and Ke- and Chris Klein are watching um, some lady turn a fucking lampshade into a flower vase, and like Chris Klein's like studying it, like he's learning about like how to be <laughs> yeah. sensitive yeah. with women, like really cleverly. And then Jason Biggs is just looking at him like, "What the fuck? You're crazy!" <laughs> and it's just got like it's a really sweet way for all these characters to like have their moments to develop while also being funny, highlighting, like, music of the period as well, and, like, building up, like, that taste, that authenticity of, like, what these guys are listening to. Mm. And um, it's just, like, they're short, sweet, and they just move everything forward in a really elegant way. We've got another one later on, which is, like, them all getting their suits and preparing for prom. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. I think that works so well. Yeah, it's it's really nicely made you can mm. see why one of them went on to work in the star wars universe yeah and one of them tragically did not but he still made other movies I yeah think american movies... dreams yeah that's i think that's a really good movie <laughs> i used to like it but yeah i have never revisited it i think, I think the great. satire might be too on the nose perhaps yeah and it's dated because no one knows about american idol <laughs> anymore. yeah yeah but also i really love another movie they made right after this or a couple years later about a boy with, oh yeah, I, I love the about a boy. Yeah. They they really continued to nail like the sentimentality in comedy mm. when it came to about a boy like so well. I think like if you watch an American Pie and about a boy back to back, there's so much of what works in both of them is in the DNA of both films. Mm. I should rewatch about a boy. I really liked that at the time. Mm. Great cast. Great cast. Tony Collette. Huge grand. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt is in the freaking movie. Nicholas Hornby is in the freaking screenplay. Now, if we are, <laughs> we're talking about legacy a little bit here. We need mm-hmm. to give another award out. Uh, we need to give an award out for the most culturally significant moment mm-hmm. in this film. A moment in this film that changed the culture forever. It is a salient point in cultural history, in the history of not just cinema, not just pop culture, but in the freaking English language. The lexicon changed forever after this moment. It was a moment that made us realize that if you take the first letter of certain words, Mm -hmm. you can condense them into a whole new word. It's a freaking acronym, bitch. Acronyms all of a sudden became cool after 1999. And funny, dare I say it. Yeah. And the acronym in question is, of course, MILF. Mm-hmm. MILF gets its grand cinematic debut in American Pie. And I looked this up. The term had existed previously to this. This is for a lot of people the touchstone point of MILF, where it all begins, the Rosetta Stone Mm. of internet slang culture. Mm -hmm. But it does begin on the internet. There was apparently some boards on like a used net type website, like a forum, where the word MILF had been used to acronymize Mother, I'd like to frick. (laughs) (laughs) Mother, I'd like to frick. It's like John Lovett saying 
But uh, that had so it had existed before, but never has a acronym been put to film so powerfully. Oh my god, it changed the world. The only time since has probably been the man from Uncle. I don't even know what Uncle stands for. Uncle, I'd like to frick. <laughs> Uncle, I'd love to frick. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll never forget it. People started saying it all the time mm-hmm. after that. And then after that, you started hearing all sorts of shit. WTF. Yes. LMFAO. Yes, our favorite podcast and our favorite bands. <laughs> LMFAO Schwartz, our favorite toy store. I love that freaking toy store, dude. Oh, my God. It changed the game. I dare say without the word MILF, we wouldn't have the word Cougar. We wouldn't have the TV series Cougar Town starring Courtney Cox. And without the TV series Cougar Town, how would we even get a plotline involving Arbed on Community? (laughs) Yeah. It's had knock-on effects. Mm -hmm. We all know MILF. We all know the word. We all know a MILF. (laughs) It has had knock-on effects. And let me tell you, it's had a few knock-off effects Yeah, we've all whacked off over a MILF, okay? (laughs) Exactly. It gave us a category of life, okay? Changed porn forever. (laughs) All because John Cho and Justin Isfield said the words MILF together. And John Cho went on to become a bit of a superstar. Uh, John Cho... Is probably the most famous actor. He's the from best this actor movie. in this movie. He is, and he just yells the word MILF. MILF. He's Milf. also in the choir. He's and in the vocal jazz club. He actually is in the credits twice. There's a point in the so credits. So he's playing two characters. Yeah, where he says <laughs> choir guy John Cho, MILF guy John Cho. I was wondering if it was supposed to be a different character because at the party MILF guy is quite cool. Yeah, and he's yelling out MILF, and then we see the same guy in the fucking vocal jazz club. I don't think so. And he's not saying MILF. He's singing nicely. He's singing like. How sweet it is to be loved by you. How sweet it is to be loved so by MILF, by Chu. MILF. <laughs> John Cho played two different characters in the American Pie universe. Exactly. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just go, yeah, everyone plays one character. John Cho plays two fucking different gods. That's how good this motherfucker is. He is an expert actor. He, yeah. He was able to play two uniquely different teenagers. One that made out with a picture of Jennifer Coolidge while his friend cheated yeah. on. And one... That's in the corner of the screen singing a song while the camera focuses on Chris Klein. And really, if you do watch the credits, you can see John Cho's name on the screen twice. Like, it really is in there twice. (laughs) It's crazy. I think he is... Like, that's kind of like one of the things about this film is it's... I like the way that when Reunion comes around, those characters come back. Mm. But also, John Cho would go on to become like a leading man of this type of film with like mm. the Harold and Kumar movies, yeah. which are like totally a take on like the gross out sentimental with like ethnic humor and stoner humor put in as well. And then the writer of those films wrote the sequels to American Pie. Yeah, yeah. And he brought his boy John back. Mm-hmm. And Cal Penn, probably too busy working for Obama. He was writing speeches for Obama at the or time. Or something like that. I can't... I mean, he was in the He's Obama staffer, administration. Isn't fucking crazy? So weird. You're an actor. I hate it. You're born star, Cal Penn, and you're going to fucking... fucking work for the fucking... You're a political hack, dude. <laughs> Don't even know what his job was. <laughs> What does he do now? Uh, He's friends with Daniel Sloss. Really? Yeah. Sloss, let us know. (laughs) Let me know what Cal Penn's up to. Because he was in House, and then he joined... He played a doctor on House, and he joins, like, the medical wing of the freaking... Yeah, was he rolling out Obamacare or something? Something like that. (laughs) I don't know. That's too weird. Why did he do that? It's all very weird And then I think fucking Harold and Kumar 3D came out while he was in fucking power. (laughs) 
<laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> that's a, that's you know. There, you know where do we have that here? Oh, we do. Yeah, fucking um, <laughs> what? Peter Who? Garrett. Oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> Peter Garrett. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, there are weirder things in American politics, like fucking actors becoming actual governors of states. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Mr. Uh, SNL. Mr. SNL himself. Mr. SNL, who got fired for doing naughty. <laughs> What's his name? He's Stewart, isn't he? he plays... Al Franklin. Al Franklin, thank Al you. Al Franklin. Al Franklin. Al... What's his name? Al Franklin? <laughs> Not Alf Franklin, as we just said. <laughs> Senator Alf Franklin. Oh, God. So stupid. All right. Mm. So, uh, yes, those are our awards that we're giving out. We've given them out. This yeah. is a spectacular picture. Yeah. But we got to reboot it. Yeah, we got to reboot it. This film is so unique, and it, but it has had sequels, many sequels. Yeah. Do you like the sequels? I, I mean, I've seen all of them. Um, and I've, I've Even laughed. the Presents. No, no, no. I think okay. I've seen the first Presents, Bandcamp. Yes. Haven't seen any of the others. Hated Bandcamp, actually. I didn't I like it. I don't count them as sequels. They're just like... They're Presents. They're fucking they're straight presents. to DVD Presents. <laughs> yeah, they're little Presents. <laughs> they're not great. They're not, they don't count for me. There's no canon to the American Pie universe. Mm-hmm. But I've seen all the direct sequels, probably even in cinema. Um, yeah. And they're all... Fine for what they are, but I never really revisit them. I like two a lot. I think two is a really good sequel to American Pie. I remember liking it at the time. It's a fun spin on like the college summer movie, yeah, like Summer House on the Lake kind of thing, like Meatballs or something. Yeah, I love Meatballs. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that's a really good sequel to this movie. Very worthy, I would say. Mm. I think three. The wedding? Yeah. No, don't rate it. I don't like it. No. I don't like that Stifler. I hate Stifler in it. Everything bad in that movie is called Stifler. I hate it when the fucking pubes hit the cake. Mm-hmm. Really disrespectful the cake. Mm-hmm. Just because your movie's about pie <clears throat> doesn't mean you're allowed to disrespect cake yeah, like that. Yeah, that's true. And um, I don't like when Stifler eats the dog shit. Don't like when Stifler fucks Jim's grandma. Yeah. And that's that's bad. As if Stifler, you know, if Stifler... Yuck, that's not good. He redeems himself a little bit and then he teaches Jim how to ballroom dance. Yeah, and, and he fucking he balls gets... out his grandpa. <laughs> and he also fucks January Jones. Yeah, And okay. Thomas fucks Jennifer Coolidge again. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I don't I don't like that one. I do like Reunion. But I, I don't love it. Reunion is, on paper, should be really good. Totally. On paper, it's a no-brainer. I think they maybe even went too soon. What was 10? It was over 10 years. It was like 12. I reckon they should have done 20. What, you want to see them old? <laughs> I want to see them older. No, <laughs> no I don't know. I, I think, um, I I think there's parts of it I really like. I like the Stifler character having mm. like a shit job and yep. being a sh- being like just kind of sad and depressed. And yep. this party, it kind of gives reason to why he's a party animal. It's because he's fucking sad and he's yeah. alone and he wishes, he just wants to be around people all the time. I, love, I like that. I like Tara Reid coming back. Yeah. I like all. I love Chris Klein finally coming back after not being in Wedding. Yeah, I love that. Uh, there's parts of it I really like. I think the thing, the storyline that I hated was Jim um, having wanting to babysitter. wanting to fuck his yeah neighbor or whatever. Or then the babysitter want to fuck Jim. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that. I don't like that. I, I just was like, this sucks. Come on, as he's like. 
He's like 35 mm. and she's like 18. This is just a bit fucking gross. It's too gross for a movie like this because I think that, like, you know, we talk about how sweet American Pie is and, like, mm. you know, that's it. A pie yeah. should be a well-balanced meal. It should be sweet. It should be a little sweet. It should have notes of savouriness as well. Mm. But that is something that's quite unsavoury, if you ask me. Reunion has one of my biggest laughs in the franchise, though, mm-hmm. which is, you remember when there's, like, the jockey stiffler types that are young, like mm. these young dudes, and yes. they... They, they drive past them on a jet ski and splash yeah. them with water. Yeah. And then Stifler gets revenge on them by, like, trashing their car in this incredibly dramatic, mm. epic way where it, like, destroys their bumper and all that. Destroys their yeah. jet skis and shit. And um, it's really, like, he goes way too far. And Jim's like, why did you do that? And he goes... They splashed us. I thought that was like the funniest character (laughs) decision. Just to be like, oh yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. Like this guy's mental. He just got so upset that they splashed him (laughs) that he destroyed like $10,000 of their property. He went on a revenge trip. (laughs) It's great. I think that uh, there's another sequel, one of the the final American Pie Presents that came out like last Mm. year, the year before. Girls Rules. Girls Rules, which is kind of, it was originally just like, closer to what this movie is mm. but then they gender flipped it like yeah. it was originally written as like four young guys yeah and then they changed it to be four young girls and they're mm. all after the same guy or something yeah uh and i think that's it's been very poorly reviewed but i was like oh yeah if you want to reboot this i guess you do do something like blockers where it's like yeah a sex comedy with a gender but it's flip. like the fucking blockers already exists and blockers exactly. is great and book smart's great mm-hmm. we don't need a shitty straight to DVD version of this. Yeah. Which who by the way, the lead of the lead character of Girls Rules is a stifler. Yeah. It's a stifler cousin. You know, we love the stifler it's like, dynasty. Come on, man, we don't need we how can you get us to respect it if it's like a stifler cousin? And Eugene Levy's like not even in it. Yeah, that's how you know it sucks. Well, it's like if you if Eugene Levy isn't fucking buying like a new if car you from this get shit. Eugene Levy or Sherman yeah. You you didn't make a real American Pie Presents. Sherman's in like two of them. He's in one or two of the presents. <laughs> one of the other things I found about Sherman in the prom, the suit that he wears is literally the exact same suit rental that Steve Buscemi wore in The Wedding Singer. That's amazing. Fun fact, everyone put it out there on your notes for this episode. It's the same suit that Sherman and, and Steve Buscemi wears. actually pissed in it, yeah? Yeah, he did. And so did Steve Buscemi. <laughs> it's actually a tradition of wearing that suit. You have to do it. <laughs> But I and they've also even talked about like there's a fifth one like they yeah. still talk about but I, what could you do? I think time? Sean William Scott has ruled it out. Really? I think eventually after a few years because it was announced in like 2013 mm. that they're doing another one and maybe it's like all the families go on a trip away together or some shit like fucking Adam Sandler. Yeah, like grown ups. Grown ups. I no. think a few years later, Sean William Scott was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. The only thing you could do is if. Uh, Jim's dad and Stifler's mum get married. Well, they they hook up in reunion. They hook up in reunion, and I think that but you've already had a wedding movie in this franchise, yeah, yeah. and you've already had a fucking reunion. Yeah. What are you going to do? Stifler kills himself, so you do a big chill remake with these guys? <laughs> <laughs> like, what can you possibly do? And they talk about it, and like the good thing and the weird thing about American Pie is each film is they wrap everything up. Yeah. Like, there's not, like, some loose end, like, oh, well, what? Like, it, they're all very neatly wrapped up at yeah. the end. What could you possibly fucking tell with these characters? That's true. And I don't even know how you remake it because already so many movies have been done like this. I know. I don't need another one. No. 
I would also say there's another movie that I think is very similarly written to American Pie. Mm. And it is the movie, I don't think you've seen it yet, but I've been recommending it to you for years since it came out, which is the Call Me By Your Name. (laughs) (laughs) Because, here, let me explain to you. I haven't seen it, and now I feel like I'm even less likely to see it, (laughs) given the latest news about Army Hammer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. So, there is similarity between them. Uh In American Pie, Jim is a horny, premature ejaculator that fucks a pie. Yeah. In Call Me By Your Name, Timothy Chalamet could also be described similarly, and he fucks a peach. He has sex for pe- like a stone fruit. Yeah. And then I would say... I've always wondered, does he take the stone out? Um, Can't remember. I think he just... You'd have to. The stone's in there. I think the stone's in there. you got to take the stone out. Because they eat it after. Yeah, you can rip the stone out. But then it's demolished. It's the only stone's only thing keeping it you together. You do very precise... With a scalpel. <laughs> no, no, but then if you take the stone out, that gives its entire structural integrity. That's not true. The skin also helps out with the structural integrity. Well, if you've got a fucking erect dingus going yeah. through it, it's completely yeah, destroying well, you also, it. I think you just put the tip of the head in the... You the saw, tip. okay, you saw what fucking Jim's <laughs> member did to a pie. What do you think Chalamet's little nut's going to do to a peach, dude? <laughs> a pie is quite structurally sound yeah. but if you're lying on a kitchen island up and down onto it that does a lot of damage yeah but that's not how he does it in the movie right he's not he's not like humping a peach <laughs> on a kitchen island I don't, you don't see it you yeah. see you actually see more of Jim fucking the pie yeah um, right. but then I would also say Ami Hammer is kind of like Nadia Okay. And then I would say, because it's like, you know, it's a different land. He's mm. falling in love. He's exploring sexually. But then Michael Stuhlbarg plays his dad. Plays Jim's dad. They look... Could you pick two guys that look more alike <laughs> than Eugene Levy and Michael Stuhlbarg? <laughs> if you've had them next to each other in a lineup, you go, are you making a slight, like, fucking, like, time travel movie where you got to have two guys that look the same? I'd also even argue that Dan Levy looks more like Michael Stuhlbarg than Eugene Levy. <laughs> Whoa, okay. He that... could be Stuhlbarg's son. Yeah, he could be Dan Stuhlbarg. <laughs> There's something going on there. But then also, very similar character where he like embarrassingly like talks about love and like stuff with his son and very inspirational mentor figure. Uh-huh. It's they're very similar movies. So oh. that's my remake. I don't know if I can ever watch it now thanks to Army Hammer and his fucking proclivities. Well, I'm glad that's what's stopping you and not my theory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that was actually fun to talk about. And mm. we went so different to what I thought we were going to talk about. There's one final thing that we haven't done yet. What's that? Could Eddie do it? <laughs> Could, Could Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy do this movie? I'm going to straight up say no. Really? Yes. I thought about it. Uh-huh. And there's a few characters I think Eddie could do. Okay, like who? I actually think Eddie... I, I watched an Eddie Murphy romantic comedy recently, Boomerang. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. He's superb as like a romantic lead. Yep. I hadn't seen him really do that apart from coming to America. Mm. But he does this like more subtly, more naturalistic, kind of like Adam Sandler in The Wedding Singer mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he's fabulous in it. I think you'd really like that movie. Great cast as well. But it made me think that he could actually crush Oz. He, in the day, if he was the right age, like 22, 21, yeah. he so could have shaved his moustache off and played Oz. Because I think like he would get all those romantic moments quite well. And also, the guy's a great singer. And he's barely sung in movies. 
That's true. He's a better singer than Chris He's Klein. He's pretty athletic. Mm-hmm. He can be romantic. And we get to hear those pipes in the vocal jazz group. And I think that he could probably do... He could do Jim. Yeah, I don't know. That's where I that's where I struggle with. I don't think because I've seen him play Dorky, but it's mm. it's like way dorkier. Like I could see him playing Jim's dad. I think he could do Jim's dad. I think he could do Stifler's mum. Definitely I think he could, he could play Stifler's mum. Come on. And it would be really sexual. It would be sexual chocolate, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it would be real I think he could crush Jim's mum. Yeah. Stifler's mum. I think he could Stifler's crush Stifler's mum, absolutely. Not Jim's mum. I actually think he couldn't play that character. No, I don't think I don't buy it. No, I don't not for a second. Too naturalistic. <laughs> no, I don't want to see an Eddie version. I like this version. I like it as is. He could do it. <laughs> he could do it though. I'm putting a notch in. He could okay, do it. Okay, White says Adam Hurst. If you're listening, we've got a movie for you. It's called Eddie Pie, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not good, <laughs> but it is quite interesting. <laughs> is that it? I think that's it. I think that's all I want to say. This, uh, I mean, I love this movie so much. Yeah, I really I, I, like. I think that it is. It is groundbreaking. It is really groundbreaking. It's very silly. It's very stupid. But I think it's an important movie for me. And I think that if you are interested in filmmaking, interested in comedy filmmaking, it's a very important film. And I think that it is worthy of your study. Like, I mm. studied this movie on my own accord. They didn't, tell, they didn't teach it to you at film it's school. It's not in the syllabus. It's not in the syllabus. But I studied the screenplay, and I think that I genuinely learned so much about screenwriting, mm. especially screenwriting comedy, which is very fucking hard to learn. Because screenplays, you know, it's hard to translate the comedy from mm. a screenplay to then to screen, yada, 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 all that stuff. I think this is a really good one in, like, teaching you character... And that's film character, not just like a sketch character mm. kind of comedy. So I highly recommend uh, American Pie to anyone out there. It's crazy, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. We really love this movie. And uh, even though parts of it maybe are a little dated now or very a little grotty. Bit weird and grotty, yeah. it's still a very sweet slice. Mm. And one that you'll enjoy for the rest of your life. I hope so. <laughs> I really do worry that one day I was going to watch it and go, yeah, it does nothing for me. Nah, it's like just so. washing over me. I don't think so. Avoid the sequels. Oh, I don't know. I say sequels with a little grain of salt. I think if you enjoy this movie, you could enjoy two. You could enjoy reunion. Mm. I think wedding stinks. Skip the wedding. Skip the wedding. Be like Oz. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, next week on the podcast, we're going to be sticking with our screen ages, and we're going to be discussing a little movie called Clueless. Really looking forward to that. Please uh, talk to us online, on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Twitter. I'm at I am Cameron James. Alexi. I'm at This Is Alexi. Yeah. Let us know if there's any of the screen ager movies that you want us to cover. Mm-hmm. We've had some really great suggestions. But I will also say we're probably only going to do this mini-series for another few more weeks or so. Yeah. So let us know if there's any other mini-series, like topics in film that you'd like us to cover mm-hmm. over several weeks now that we've broadened out the podcast. Let us know. Uh, but Screen Ages will be with us forever. We could revisit it. Who knows? That's true. We can always come back. If you like the stuff that we do, listen to our Patreon. It's mm-hmm. five bucks a month. You get bonus episodes where we 
talk about filmmakers that we like or actors that we enjoy. And lately, what have we been doing, Alexi? We've been talking about what our favorite movies were released every year throughout our time in high school. Yes, it's been very embarrassing to admit the things that we were into when we were 15. Absolutely. Absolutely embarrassing. But also very interesting. Yeah. To see how our tastes developed over time. Or not developed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do believe I've been the same person since I was about eight years old. <laughs> I don't think I've ever grown or changed. Ah, since the year American Pie came out. Exactly. It was a cultural reset for me and I never hit that button once again. <laughs> Here's a few others though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, also, if you guys like stand-up comedy, I'm doing a stand-up hour at the Sydney Comedy Festival, uh, May 29th, April 1. April 1 to May 9. What's the order that those months April go in? comes first, 30 okay. days have September, etc. <laughs> April 29 to May 1 mm-hmm. at the Enmore Theatre. It's not the big room, but it's a 100-seater there. Um, there are limited seating because of this scamdemic that's going on. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to come, and I pray that you do, please book early. I'd yeah. love to have you guys there. It'll it's be a awesome. Lot of fun. I just saw a little taster of what Cameron's doing on that show. Yeah, I did. I performed it in Alexi's living room for him. Yeah, he he comes to rehearse at my house. I give him <laughs> notes, and uh, let me tell you, no notes. The show's great. It's perfect. Yeah, it's. Can't, I can't wait to come see it live with an audience. Oh my god! Plus, everyone should listen to Alexi's podcast with uh, Jen Fricker. Yeah, it's called the Big Film Buffet. It is the Netflix Australia podcast where we preview movies that are coming out on Netflix that weekend. We just t- doing an episode either it's coming out or coming out soon. Talking about Good Boys, which is similar to American mm. Pie. I love that movie. Uh, that is coming out on Netflix now or soon. So check out that episode. I also want to give a shout out to something that I'm really happy and proud of at the moment. I directed a bunch of episodes for this TikTok series. Mm. It is basically a teen film on TikTok that was written starring two friends of mine, Monique and Hannah. They're great actors, great writers, and it is called The Formal. It's about two girls coming together to plan their school formal, and they're slowly maybe falling for each other. It's very funny, very silly, but also very sweet. So a lot of my American Pie DNA went into my directing of these episodes. <laughs> and I think by the time you're listening to this, uh, the full series will be out. Uh, there's 10 episodes. It's only like 10 minutes, but each episode is really funny and cool and cute. It's a very, very cute series. That sounds very fun. Mm. So if you have TikTok, watch that. If you don't have TikTok, download it and watch yeah. it. If you don't want to download TikTok... You know, stick with MySpace. There's some cool stuff on there still. <laughs> exactly. I've probably fucking got Jason yeah. Biggs in my top friends, yeah, man, dude. I'm doing a MySpace exclusive series. <laughs> <laughs> Please check it out on TikTok. I'll put a little clicky in the show notes for you guys. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time at the movies. Or on DVD. Much like American Pie is available to purchase on. Mm-hmm.